You are listening to the Star Coach Podcast with Meg Rentschler, episode 121. We don't tend to want to resolve conflict with people we don't like or don't have something in common with. So building camaraderie is important. In coaching, we will sum that up as rapport. Mm-hmm. How do we build a sense of rapport and that I've got your back as a coach? And that I care about you. That doesn't mean in that rapport that we don't tell the truth, that we're not honest. It just means that people are going to be able to hear the truth from us much easier if they believe we have their best interests at heart and we truly do care for them. Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Hello to all of you wherever you're listening from. It is wonderful to have you with us. I'm your host, Meg Rentschler. Getting ready for a whirlwind couple of months, February and March this year are crazy busy for me, both with good things. And well, they're all good things. They're just summer fun and summer work, which can be fun as well. Getting ready to go on a birthday trip, which should be lots of fun. As soon as I get back, we're going to see my son at college And then I teach on the weekends and I'm guest speaking a few places and traveling to different locations to see clients. So goodness gracious, I feel like I have to strap on my seatbelt for February and March, but I'm thrilled to be here with all of you right now and bringing you an extraordinary guest that is going to explore high performance relationships with us. Our guest this week is Dr. Jacqueline Peters. She is an executive coach, a leadership team, and relationship specialist. Now, Jacqueline's mission is to help people create safer and more effective relationships in all areas of their life. And you'll see this reflected in our interview, because as we're talking about these high-performance relationships, and particularly as they're relating to work she does in teams, in organizations, the conversation sort of transitions over to some talk about couples and how the relationships we have in couples and some of those dynamics are built on the same building blocks that she discusses in these high-performance relationships at work. Now, Jacqueline is the president and founder of Interactive Leadership Associates Incorporated. She's been coaching and developing leaders and teams for more than 20 years. She's the author of a couple different books, some co-authored with Dr. Catherine Carr, who will be a guest on a later show. Her newest book, though, is a book that she does solo, and it's High Performance Relationships, The Heart and Science Behind Success at Work and Home. It was a dynamic conversation. I so enjoyed the building blocks that she shared and think that all of you can apply those to your work, whether you're working with teams, individuals, all of us have relationships 
at home, in society, at work, that these building blocks can impact. So let's go to our interview with Dr. Jacqueline Peters. Dr. Jacqueline Peters, welcome to the Star Coach Show. So nice to be here with you, Meg. It is so nice to have you here. And you were referred to me by a coach who really values the work that you do and has learned so much from you. And we're going to talk today about high-performance relationships. I'd like to kind of start with what what brought you into this field of work and, and made this your passion. Yeah, that's a great question. It was a bit circuitous. I started out in rehabilitation medicine as a speech language pathologist, and then really realized that what I loved to do, my mission has been pretty much my whole career around helping people be the best that they can be. And so when I started, it was in communication disorders and and being able to communicate better. And then through a series of degrees, various uh, interactions with inspiring people along the way, I found myself in coaching just over 20 years ago in leadership development. And that was my key focus within organizations. And then I did my doctorate at Middlesex University, finished that about six years ago. And I had a real focus on team coaching. I'd been working in, with teens for years and years, and I really wanted to validate the approach that I had been taking just to make sure that the research bore out that I was doing the right things to support teams to be as high-performing as possible. And so that's kind of what has been the theme and, and got me to where I am now, where I focus mostly on team effectiveness and leadership effectiveness. So as you were working on your dissertation and kind of pulling together the information about this is what I've been doing and, and is it as effective as, as I was hoping it would be or what, what did your research begin to tell you about what did create effectiveness in those environments? Well, that's a great question because what came out through that team research and then through some of the further relationship research that I did is that there's four, five core things that every team in relationship needs to have to be effective. And all of the research fit into these five core building blocks. And the first one was safety. How do we make the team or people in the relationship feel safe to share their honest thoughts without fear of repercussion? And so that's the foundation for any high-performance team or high-performance relationship. And without that, you know, you can function, but people aren't honest, they don't feel safe, then they don't trust each other, and things spiral down. So that was the first core foundation. Mm -hmm. And that just makes so much sense. Are we going to, so as a coach, we want to think about what are we doing around safety around establishing boundaries and barriers and, and, and expectations so that people feel safe enough to be able to share in the group or else we're not going to get anywhere. Absolutely. So you're right. As coaches, we have to become experts at creating safety for people. And so that leads us to the second building block of any high-performance team or relationship. So what we need to focus on with our clients and what they need to do in their relationship is to create a strong sense of common purpose. What is it that we're here to do together? 
What do we want to achieve? In coaching, we talk a lot about that around setting the mutual agenda at the beginning of a coaching assignment. And then we also talk about that at the beginning of even a coaching call or a coaching meeting. And that's the same with the team or a relationship, which is how do you get people to align around a common purpose that they all feel inspired to work towards and be able to achieve together? Absolutely. And and I like how you pointed out, yes, we do that in our individual sessions. Creating that destination that we're working towards is key. And, and why would it not be key also in a group? It almost might even be, I don't know if it, we can say more key, but certainly if we have a group of people that are working together, we want to have that, that common purpose. It's not only more important in some ways, it's harder too, because as soon as you have a group, you know, like you've got so many competing agendas and so many different ideas about what people are there to do. And so getting alignment around that is tricky. And being able to talk about, you know, why am I here? What do I want to contribute into this team or into this working partnership? And what do you want to contribute? And where is there some commonality and crossover in what we're here to do. And so, you know, as coaches, we're at the service of our clients. And so we're, we're open to whatever purpose they put out there. But if you're working in a team or in a relationship where you've got people who have different ideas about what they're there to do, that's where it gets very tricky. You know, that sort of, as you said that, it, it took me right back to when I was a marriage therapist for all those years. And when you have two people coming into marriage therapy with very different agendas, one wants to restore the marriage and one wants to dissolve the marriage or whatever the situation, you know, if we can't get the people on the same page, it's very difficult to create any kind of energy and mutual vision. So yeah, it pointed that out, Meg, because in my research on teams, that's what I did my dissertation on, but the high-performance relationship system and the book that I wrote around high-performance relationships, it's all about how we create success at work and home. Because I also, once I saw some of these themes in the team research, I had been involved with my husband in couples enrichment for years and years and years, like over 20 years. Partners, mm-hmm. We needed to keep going for all the couples enrichment. I'm just kidding. But what I got interested in was some of the overlap in the research between couples and teams. And so that's why the five building blocks are so powerful because it's not just about what creates team effectiveness, but it's also what creates relationship effectiveness. And I became trained in two different couples therapies as part of my research for doing the high performance relationships book. So those first two of the five building blocks, safety and purpose, are common between teams and intimate relationships and partnerships and even family relationships. And so when we take a look at, all right, if we make each other safe and we create a common purpose, well, then what's the third out of the five building blocks? And the third one is structure. So how do we create a structure for us to be successful? And one of the key aspects of structure are working agreements. That's just even deciding, well, how are we going to work together? For you and I, when we started this, you talked a little bit about, well, how are we going to structure the conversation? What's going to come first and what's going to come next? In teams, that's about what the roles are. 
in coaching, that's about the coaching contract that we create. The contract is part of the structure that allows us to be successful together. And Richard Hackman, who did a lot of research, over 40 years of research on what makes effective groups and teams, what he said was over 60% of team effectiveness is related to structure. So that talks about we need really clear roles and responsibilities. We need really clear working agreements. And we need ways to make sure that if we're going to move forward, everything around us in the context that we're working or living supports us to be successful together. So key. Structure to me is one of those things that whenever somebody feels like constricted by structure, I look at structure as so freeing because when I know what the structure is, then I can completely play within that structure. I can completely sort of go to the edges and work within. But when we don't know, then I feel more constrained because I don't know exactly where it is that I can sort of expand and and grow my wings. Absolutely. You're right. It's critically important. And even for people who say, I'm an unstructured person, we need to know the rules of the game within which we're playing with each other. And I don't mean game in some negative kind of way. I mean, every every interaction we have in life, if we say, you know, it's kind of the way we are playing together, if we understand what the expectations and rules of the game are for each other, well, then we're just going to be more successful. And sometimes we think interpersonal conflict comes out of personality clashes. And that's true to a certain extent, that sometimes we just have very different value systems or different ways of looking at the world. But one of the other ways that we create conflict with each other is by having inadequate conversations about the structure and our expectations of each other. And then we bump up against each other and we start to think it's a personality flaw. But sometimes it's because we haven't talked about, you know, who's going to be accountable for taking out the garbage, who's going to be accountable for walking the dog. In coaching, we have to be clear about the structure of the coaching assignment. Who's going to be accountable for owning the goals and the outcomes? We need to have that conversation so that it's clear where ownership lies. Who's going to follow up on action? What's the time frames so that we're working with similar expectations around that? And it's always astounding to me how so many people resist structure to the detriment of the team or the relationship. So how often are you in a, a meeting where everybody's talking about what has to be done and then they just move on to the next thing that has to be done without any nailing down? So who's taking responsibility for this action item? What's the time? Like you said, so is this, and then they're surprised the next time they get together that nothing's been done. It's like, sorry, the fairies didn't come in to just sprinkle their fairy dust and take care of everything. You're absolutely right. And And that inability to nail down what's our actions and our decisions happens at every level in an organization, even at executive team level. And in fact, sometimes it's worse because they go, oh, we don't want to be that detailed because, you know, everybody's professional and we don't want to treat them, you know, in a childish way, not recognizing that it's not the least bit childish to confirm your agreements with each other and your understanding of the agreement. 
and to actually say those out loud and mark those at the end of a conversation or a meeting, because too often people do walk away and go, oh, I thought you were doing that. Yeah. So we're filled with assumption and then we're disappointed in one another and everybody's saying, well, I didn't know. Yeah. So it's really not mutually respectful to just leave it in the ether. (laughs) Yeah. And as coaches, I think that there are simple ways for us to close coaching conversations, whether they're with an individual or a team, that, that they're, we just respectfully ask, hey, so what's your understanding of our actions and decisions today? Very quick, very simple. State them out loud. Write them down. Great. We're on the same page. It's quick. It's easy. And that, that helps us as one of the examples of how to build a really strong third building block structure. Um, And you talked about feeling like you were, the word that came to my mind is you're safer when we have a bit of structure. Yes. Example of, you know, if you're going to climb a ladder, which my husband did this summer and it fell out from under him, he broke both his ankles. Oh, bless him. Having a strong structure is a problem. But if you, if you think about I'm going to be more willing to take risks if I feel like there's a sturdy structure underneath me. And that actually helps support that first building block of safety, right? If I feel safer, I'll take more risks. I'll go further. I'll say more. I'll do more because I know what the boundaries are. And don't confuse that with not being able to be creative or original because it's not at all. It's just if we have that solid structure, that actually frees us up in many ways because we can go, okay, I know I'm sitting on a strong foundation and now I can kind of fly within that. Exactly. So we've got safety and then the common purpose and structure. What's the fourth? So the fourth building block is camaraderie. And this is our sense of mutual respect for each other. And and liking. And so many people go to work and say, I don't need to I don't need to like the people I work with. And that may be true, but the reality is that the most high performing teams actually do have a very strong sense of camaraderie and like each other a lot. And in couples, that's the same thing. Camaraderie is really the insulation that helps us when it comes to conflict. So the more that we like people, the more willing we are to manage conflict when it occurs. And John Gottman, who is just a brilliant researcher, oh yeah, and has done more than 40 years worth of research on couples, talks about this idea of friendship is how he talks about it with couples. I talk about it in camaraderie because it spans couples and mm-hmm. teams, but that being critical for a relationship to thrive. And we don't tend to want to resolve conflict with people we don't like or don't have something in common with. So building camaraderie is important. In coaching, we will sum that up as rapport. How do we build a sense of rapport and that I've got your back as a coach and that I care about you? That doesn't mean in that rapport that we don't tell the truth, that we're not honest. It just means that people are going to be able to hear the truth from us much easier if they believe we have their best interests at heart and we truly do care for them. 
makes perfect sense. And, and it's just coming together in such a beautiful picture. So then what's the fifth building block? So the fifth building block is repair. So ultimately, when we interact with other people, whether it's in a coaching relationship or a work team or as a couple, we are going to end up having what I call a relationship accident at some point. A relationship accident where we have a miscommunication or a misunderstanding or some kind of difference that could turn into conflict. And when that happens, we have to do two things. One is we have to be willing to make a repair. And second, we have to be willing to accept a repair. And there's lots of research about what are effective repairs and what are effective ways to apologize and what are ineffective ways to do that. And so that ability to repair is critical. And like I said, repairing is based on camaraderie. We don't tend to repair well with people that we don't like. I think tend to avoid or tolerate rather than going that extra mile or extending grace because, you know, it's, it's like I'm tolerating you and I'm not, isn't that sort of reinforcing? I knew you were going to create X, Y, and Z or that this was going to happen because I don't like this person anyway. Yeah, such a powerful word of tolerate. And if we can tolerate each other, that's a start point. But boy, we want to get beyond that. But you know, you look around the world today and where people aren't even tolerating each other. They're not mm-hmm. tolerating difference. They're not exploring each other's perspectives. We as coaches are trained to do that. And even when you've got lots of training in these things, it's super hard. I remember when I wrote the High Performance Relationship book, I had it published and I didn't give it to my husband like for for several weeks. And he's he's kept asking me, are you ever going to give me a copy of your book? I'm like, oh, fine. And I gave it to him. And I know we were in an argument at one point. And he, he said to me, you know, I read this book and what it said was blah, 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 blah. And quoted something from my book. And it was like, this is why I didn't want you to read it. Because <laughs> I was going to say, what was your hesitancy in giving your husband the book? <laughs> Even if we know these things, they're hard to enact. We are going to inevitably screw up. And that's why we got to get good at repair and accepting that, you know what, we will screw up. And so will the other person. We cannot hold people to perfection, ourselves or others, because that again becomes a real hindrance to building a high performance team or relationship of any kind, coaching, couples, family, whatever kind of relationship, friendship even. Right. And really with a sort of a building blocks without any kind of that we're going to have a relapse or we're going to have a mistake or a, a accident, I, I think sort of sets us up unrealistically. I mean, it doesn't, we are human. We're going to have our Achilles tendons, we're going to have our issues. And and by creating that within the framework, it gives us the opportunity to think about it maybe even before it happens so that we can think about how we want to respond to that. Totally. You're so right, Meg, around being proactive. The best time to talk about how we're going to handle conflict is before conflict occurs, right? In that camaraderie building stage, which is part of our structure. You know, and that's where all the building blocks 
they overlap and they're interwoven because if we have a strong structure of working agreements that says, hey, when we have a difference of opinion or perspective, how are we going to handle that? How are we going to resolve it? That's the best time is to build a structure that anticipates difference, anticipates some sense of relationship accident, and that we have a repair strategy in place with each other before we ever have the accident. Just like we get insurance, right? We have a strategy. We, we don't want to hope for an accident. We don't want it to happen. Right. Insurance is a way of saying, if it does, I have a plan and I have safeguarded myself by choosing this insurance and which one, that fits for me and I'll pay that premium and I'll make that happen. That's part of the structure of the relationship. And the safety aspect. Absolutely. Don't we feel safer when we have some kind of a plan for repair? Totally. Then we're, that allows us to be more honest because we know if I say something that doesn't land well, I know how we are, we're going to fix it, right? So, and again, that doesn't mean that we go all out over each other and treat each other disrespectfully. It means that we allow for a greater amount of honesty and the safer we feel. So I love the difference between safety and trust because people will often ask me, well, you talk about safety. Why don't you talk about trust? And when I looked at the research, there's a lot of different definitions of trust. You know, there's interpersonal trust, there's professional trust, there's, you know, different ways to establish trust, all of that. And what I really realized is that trust is an outcome, that safety is that visceral, biological feeling we have when we're with someone and we feel comfortable. And it's immediate, it's instinctual. We move into threat and reward states like instantaneously. We don't decide to feel safe or unsafe. It happens. And then if we have a lot of instances where we feel unsafe with someone because they don't tell us the truth or they don't live up to their commitments or something, and we have all these unsafe moments or they look at us weird during a conversation too many times, start to feel unsafe a lot, that's when we then make a decision not to trust that person. And once that decision is made, that's why trust is really hard to recover because it is a decision. And if we understand, particularly as coaches, mm-hmm. to pay attention to the safety signals, right? To watch our clients, to see how they're responding, or if we're on the phone, to listen to the pauses, those awkward times and go, hey, how'd that land for you? What's going on for you right now? And check it out. At that point that we are sensing that safety has become transgressed, if we check it out with curiosity versus telling them what they're thinking or feeling, then we have the ability to repair, move on, understand, and avoid some of the really poor relationship accidents. And we also avoid destroying trust in the relationship. Such powerful, powerful. And and as you were talking about that, Jacqueline, one of the things that came to me was that when we spot when we're willing to kind of ask and be curious about it, the other thing that can be happening is that our clients might not be completely aware of what's going on, but they're feeling it. So it can impact the relationship 
without them maybe even being completely cognizant of, of what happened. So when we highlight it or ask or are willing to be curious about what's, how did that land on you or what's happening with you right now, it can help them explore that, create that additional safety, uncover whatever the the gunk is that's happening that maybe we're not even aware, but our intuition or our hearing has has highlighted that for us. So I, I love that distinction. Yeah, absolutely. You, you hit it right on. And as a coach, that's what we're there to do is help uncover. And if you think about, well, in a team or in any kind of relationship, not just coaching, those people who are most effective are very interested in other people. They build camaraderie through questions, through curiosity. They they find a way to create safety. And that just, if you can take even those two things, build the camaraderie and the safety, you're going to create even more effective, strong relationships than the people who don't attempt to those things. So this your five building blocks and, and the work that you've done with your book, how much the actual information do you share with a team that you're, you're working with? Like, are they understanding that there's these five building blocks and what's composed of that? And how does that process sort of work for you? Good question. I, and this is an interesting one for coaches, right? Because we are really taught only ask questions, only ask questions, only ask questions. And certainly after 20 plus years of coaching experience, what what I've really learned is people also sometimes need a nudge. And particularly teams, they need a common language to talk about what's happening on that team. And if they don't have a common language, uh, it makes it difficult. So I share those five building blocks at the beginning of a team coaching or team development process with the team so that we get aligned around, here's what makes up a high-performance team. Here's behaviors within each of those five building blocks. So we go into quite a bit of detail around that. Here's the research around those things. And then I actually have them assess their team on those five building blocks. And I have a short assessment that anybody can use, coaches can use themselves or coaches can use with clients on my website, highperformancerelationships.com. And you can access this really short 30 question assessment. And I use that with my teams or a variation of that. Sometimes I use my longer one. And it allows us to see which building blocks are strong with the team, where do they need some extra work, and it opens up the conversation. And so they have a good base. I share all that information. They then have a way to assess how they're doing. And the assessment then helps guide our coaching objectives and gives them a sense of what does a really effective team look like. And helps them decide how they want to go forward into that. So key. I understand and and we know we've both been coaches for a long time that we certainly want to stay in that place of inquiry and curiosity and at the same time to expect that our clients have the same level of expertise in high-performance relationships as you do as that's your doctoral work and 20 years of working as a coach. That it's almost like holding back information is not in service of my client. Yeah, you know what? I remember one of my very first coaching clients 
and this was such a learning for me, said to me, you know, I kept asking questions and they were really struggling and it was clear they didn't know the answer. And they were like, you know, if I knew the answers, I wouldn't have you here. And, you know, if I was going to take a step off a cliff, like, would you stop me or would you just let me go? Right. And that was such a powerful wake up call about, you know, sometimes we can see something as a coach that our clients don't see. Mm-hmm. And by offering it, hey, I wonder if you've thought of this or here's a model or here's an I- idea that I've seen in similar situations when they've run out of their own ideas. Right. Does that land for you? What does that make you think about? What could you do with that? I think my clients have appreciated that. And this idea of my client stepping off the cliff and feeling actually unsafe and alone, like I would not be there as the coach to support them from my wisdom and experience was super powerful for me about knowing when do you actually share a little bit of insight versus you explore. And when they are feeling lost, don't let them go off the cliff. Oh, absolutely. Jacqueline, what else, if anything, do you want to be sure that our audience knows about high-performance relationships, about the building blocks of high-performance teams? Any, anything else that you would like to be able to share? Well, I think two things that come to my mind. One is that the system is super helpful for when you take in new information. So I wanted to make sure that this system worked not only for explaining the research that's already out there, but it gives a way for categorizing all of the research and wonderful new findings that we're hearing about every day from so many of our colleagues in our community and in other fields and disciplines. So one thing is to think about these five building blocks, use them to assess what's going on, use them to create a plan, but also use them to think about how does new research and new information fit into here. And it can help organize your own learning and knowledge expansion as a coach. And so I think that's an important thing. I think the second thing is that as we build high performance relationships, we have to know that relationships are always under construction. We're never going to be done. We're always going to end up having to work on these building blocks and they will evolve and need different focus as we go through with our client, as we go through in our personal relationships, and as a team works together. We're never done. Relationships take work. Relationships are sort of their own living, growing organism or whatever we want to call it. And, and just like we as human beings are never done growing, our interactions aren't either. I so appreciate this incredible research and just the way that you laid it all out for us. Thank you so much. Thank you. Such a pleasure to talk with you. Appreciate your enthusiasm and curiosity, Meg. You're doing great work. Thank you. Thanks so much. I really appreciated being able to explore 
Jacqueline's five building blocks and how it relates to the work that we do with our clients as well as the relationships that we have in our life. So thank you again to Dr. Jacqueline Peters for joining us on the show. If you'd like more information about Jacqueline, her book, the assessment that she talked about that's on her website, go to starcoachshow.com. On the resource page, we'll have information about Jacqueline as well as the episode page for Jacqueline in the show notes. If you are enjoying the show, I would so appreciate a rate and review on Apple Podcasts. The more rates and reviews we get, the more visibility the show gets. Now, you're going to want to be sure to come back next week. We are going to be visiting with Diana Ideas about the concept of last chance coaching. What do you need to think about and consider as a coach if you're asked to come into a situation to coach someone as a last chance in their organization, a last chance in their career with that organization? And some of the pros and cons and the controversies around that whole concept of last chance coaching. So I invite you back next week. And until next week, I wish you the very best for your coaching success. Have a fabulous week.